What I really wanted to do was just be candid with you and share some of the things that we do as a family and some of my experience over the years having studied clinical nutrition and supplementation that I think might be beneficial for you. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. When we talk about sickness and illness and immune system support, it's kind of a nebulous topic because the reality is there's not a whole heck of a lot of things that we can do uh, that aren't terribly aggressive in nature, and I'll talk about that as well, that can really make that big of a difference. What ultimately it comes down to is that we are very proactive about our health in general, that we're being physically active enough, that we're eating healthy enough food, that we're resting and recovering, that we're managing our stress levels appropriately, and then perhaps that we're taking certain supplementation that might, might help with supporting our immune system. But the truth is that there's nothing that we can really do that's going to quote unquote boost our immune system per se. Like we're all equipped with a beautifully complex physiological mechanism and within that is, is our gut health that makes up a tremendous amount of what we constitute as our immune system and as our protective mechanism from pathogen and disease and bacteria and what have you. And so the best thing that we can do is be proactive as I'm alluding to. And so what I wanted to do in this conversation is just briefly share some of the things. In fact, what I'm going to share is the top five things that we do to support our immune system within our family that I thought might be helpful for you for what it's worth. And now all of this stuff is based on science, but I'm not going to talk to the science. Uh, I hopefully just give you some of the anecdotal evidence of what works for us, what I think works for us as a means to, and of course we get sick just like everyone else, but I do think that we've got a pretty decent cadence for if we're starting to feel run down and, and what we do to uh, be proactive about it again. And then of course, when we're getting sick, how we, we treat and shorten the severity of our symptoms. And so we'll, we'll talk through that. But we are just being absolutely bombarded right now with cold, flu, the other C word that shall not be named. And um, I suppose part of it probably can lend itself to having spent the past two and a half years social distancing uh, for so many of us. And now we're being overly exposed to so many of the pathogens that we've, you know, have not been exposed to over the past couple of years. And invariably, this is the way that the immune system works is by introducing these pathogens and mounting an immune response to them. And that's a, an awesome thing about how our immune system works. But it's obviously not awesome when we're experiencing sickness. And so let's talk about a few of the ways here that we can manage sickness from a practical standpoint that I think will also carry over into our everyday life because, as I mentioned, is the only way we can build a strong immune system is to be doing these things day in and day out anyways. And it was a, a gentleman by the name of Claude Bernard who worked uh, directly alongside Louis Pasteur, the kind of inventor of the modern day vaccine. He sort of elucidated about the immune system is that it's not the bug that's the problem, it's the terrain. 
that's the problem. And, and what that really means is it's not the pathogen that's the problem. You can't blame your kids for getting you sick. You can't blame whomever was visiting from out of town and, and got you sick. Invariably, it's your fault for having a weakened immune system uh, and having to weaken terrain. And when we talk about terrain, what we're really talking about is, is the whole scope of our entire digestive system, which in and of itself does make up a significant portion of our immune system. And the integrity of that immune system by virtue of the integrity of that mucosal barrier. This is our first line of defense, our, our, our nasal system, our, our salivary glands, and then of course, our, our whole digestive system to the degree that when we consume foods with bacteria, when we breathe in that bacteria, it's, it's that mucosal barrier that runs throughout the entirety of our digestive system that is going to be able to keep those pathogens from getting in our bloodstream. And the more degraded that mucosal barrier becomes by virtue of sugar, alcohol, stress, poor food quality, environmental toxicity, antibiotics, on and on, well then, the more exposed we have the potential to be. So let's talk about some ways that we can support that. Now one, what makes up a really important function of the immune system is, uh, and the need of the immune system is protein. And I don't know that there's necessarily one conversation that I have as it pertains to our health that I don't talk about the importance of protein. But one of the things that we know from research very clearly is that our protein needs uh, increase considerably when our immune system is compromised. So when we're sick, and it's ironic because oftentimes when we're sick, we're like not hungry at all, and we don't have an appetite, and we feel like not eating anything, but the truth is that our protein intake needs go up by upwards of 50%, and, and the reason for that is because of the essential amino acids that we need to support the integrity of that mucosal barrier to be able to support our immune system. And so I think this is one of the reasons why like mom's chicken soup can potentially be so beneficial is because when you make homemade chicken soup, all of the collagen, all of the essential amino acids that come from doing it the old fashioned way, of cooking whole chickens and having the feet and all of what's called the glycosaminoglycans, all of these really rich amino acids uh, and collagen-like amino acids play a pivotal role in supporting the immune system. So eating that chicken soup can actually be really, really healthy for us. A few of the ways in our family that we, and this is not just when we're sick, but a few of the ways that we support the immune system or get enough protein in. Um, one of the things that we do is especially when we're rushed for time, which so many of us busy parents are, is we do a morning smoothie. And so we will simply do a whey protein isolate powder. Um, we'll do frozen berries. We'll do some Greek yogurt. Sometimes when people are sick, they choose to abstain from the dairy products. I think if you're super congested, that probably makes a lot of sense, as a lot of people do have varying levels of sensitivity to pasteurized dairy. And so it can be a good idea to, to stay away from that stuff. But we'll do um, whey protein, berries, nut butter, maybe a greens powder. I'll sneak in, you know, like a greens powder into the smoothie or some avocado or maybe some spinach, something like that. And then an unsweetened almond milk. And the kids love it. It makes for a really quick, easy breakfast, protein-dense breakfast. And something that's so important for all of us outside of even just supporting the immune system is the need to be able to start the day with a high amount of protein intake. Because of the role of protein, not just in supporting our immune system, especially when we're ill, 
but the role of protein in stimulating the neurotransmitters in our brain that help us think clearly, that help us make good cognitive decisions, that help keep our blood sugar stable throughout the day. And what we know about that is, is simply that when we start the day with the bolus of protein, we're a lot likely to make better decisions later in the day, have better stable blood sugar, have better cognitive function. And it, this is frankly in and of itself one of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of intermittent fasting, especially for females. So if you're a female and you tend to just start the day with caffeine and you push that first meal off till later in the day, that I found can be very problematic. And my, my suggestion would be to, if you're having an issue eating too much later in the day, finding yourself with cravings, with thyroid issues, um, with blood sugar imbalances, that you start the day with a higher chunk of protein. Now, the very same thing goes for our kids. When you feed them cereal and donuts and junk food and pastries and highly refined sugars, first thing in the morning, it's setting them up for disaster uh, throughout the rest of the day. And I know, listen, I mean, we're just as guilty as the next person of doing that occasionally. But the, one of the best things that we can do within the context of breakfast and high protein intake is set them up for success to make the best decisions possible and fuel their brain and their energy levels for the day. And for Christ's sakes, save their teachers based on their behaviors. And so some of the ways that we help them ramp up protein early in the day, things like turkey bacon. Our kids don't love eggs and oftentimes we're pressed for time. So some of the easy things that we'll do is I'll just whip up a couple batches of turkey bacon that they can take down with a smoothie. Um, my daughter Zoe, she loves eating beef. And so I'll make her a hamburger. We'll have some leftover ground beef and she'll have that with rice for breakfast. And it makes for a great breakfast. It makes for a super protein dense breakfast. And we'll do a lot of smoked salmon. It's one of my favorite brain foods of starting the day with some smoked salmon on, say, some sourdough, good sourdough toast with some cream cheese and some everything seasoning, everything but the bagel seasoning from Trader Joe's is a uh, mainstay in our house. So that's a great way to start things off in terms of supporting the immune system. Now, the next thing that we all know that's important is daily movement, both structured and unstructured daily movement. And one of the things that we know about daily movements, particularly in nature. So making sure that we're getting sunlight on our skin. And there's huge, huge benefit to making sure that we get sunlight not only on our skin without sunscreen so that we can absorb the vitamin D, as well as getting sunlight in our eyes, which really stimulates the vitamin D synthesis in our body, which is in fact a hormone um, that our body produces. But we need sunlight to be able to produce that on our skin and in our eyes. So without sunglasses, without sunscreen on our skin, and even in Phoenix where we have sun all the time, this is problematic. But just moving, just moving. So walking outside, walking in nature without the, you know, ear pods in, without being glued to your phone. There's a Japanese term for this. It's called Shinrin-yoku. And what it means is forest bathing. And what the research suggests is that there's tremendous benefits to this idea of forest bathing or walking in nature without any other stimulation of just being present, just being able to breathe, just being able to visually see trees and green grass and, and what have you as far as sim uh, stimulating our parasympathetic nervous system. And one of the things about the immune system is when we're constantly in what we call a sympathetic nervous system state, 
So we're always in this go, go, go environment. This is what we call our fight or flight mode. It can absolutely weaken our immune system. And so if you think about our day to days, like we're always doing this, we're always locked into our devices from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed, oftentimes in the middle of the night, I am guilty of that as well. Um, we've got artificial lights in our face. We're eating processed food. We're worried about finances. We've got the kids that are extremely stressful, relationships, finances, you name it. And we're just bombarded far more, far more than we ever have been in, in sort of the history of human existence. And it's a very different type of stress. It's a much more chronic type of low-grade stress. This isn't the proverbial step out of the cave and run from the tiger or chasing down our food, but it's a much more low-grade chronic type of stress that is really, really weakening our immune system. And so it brings it back to what can we do on a daily basis to manage these stressors? Walking, being physically active, um, making sure we're accumulating 60 to 90 minutes a day of physical activity. And for those of you that are in our 100-day, 10,000-step walking challenge, I don't know if you've observed this, but I absolutely have a feeling a tremendous sense of stress relief when I give myself the opportunity to go on these walks, uninterrupted, outside, multiple times per day, both after meals as well as, you know, bookending the day, first thing in the morning, last thing at night. It becomes a really, really valuable way to activate that parasympathetic nervous system and kind of help bring things back into balance. And so it's hard to put into tangible terms how important and effective it is, but we know very clearly that the more opportunities that we have to rest and relax and recover that we wouldn't normally give ourselves, the, the better it really is for us and for our immune system and for managing our, you know, the propensity to illness. So that's, you know, a big one. Oh, the other aspect of Kind of this idea around daily movement and physical activity, what I'll loop into this is breathing. You know, when I talk about parasympathetic activity, a couple things that are becoming really, really popular are Wim Hof breathing, sort of this guided breathing as an opportunity to, in a way, retrain a respiratory system to drive parasympathetic activity. And that seems to be very, very effective at modulating our immune system. And there's even some research now with Wim Hof on the more that you do it, his ability to actually be able to self-regulate body temperature, uh, be able to self-regulate heart rate. And so a lot of this aligns with just becoming more in tune with the body. And then the other aspect of this, which I won't talk much to, but perhaps can do a different podcast on, is contrast therapy. So with the Wim Hof breathing is this whole idea around ice baths. Is this beneficial for us? And then contrast bath is the alternating between cold and hot therapy. And there definitely does seem to be some benefits, perhaps some idea of a fat loss benefit, but really more towards a, a nervous system regulation benefit. And it all lends itself to what we call um, the hormetic effect of the idea of being able to stress yourself, but in small amounts to give your body the opportunity to acutely adapt to these stressors. That's what a hormetic stressor is. It's exposing yourself to stressors to give your body the opportunity to adapt. We don't want to be people that are never exposed to pathogens. That's why it's good for kids to play in the dirt and to eat you know, dirt and shit like that is, is because they're exposing themselves. By virtue of doing that, they're building their immune system. And this is how we build and, and support our immune system to the degree that we never want to be the people that are 
always bathing in sanitizer, wearing masks all of the time, and never ex exposing. And we see this happening across the world of the people that have been locked down for the last three years now coming out and what's happening. Now they're being exposed. And so it's not something that you can necessarily prevent. So um, the hormetic stressors, really, really important. Along the lines of parasympathetic nervous system activity is, is talking about sleep routines and making sure that we're giving ourselves the opportunity to have a set sleep routine. Now I can say, matter of fact, as much as I want to be in bed at 8.30, be asleep by 9, be able to sleep from 9 to 4 or 5, and I'm an early riser. But with that said is, you know, I got a kid who he wants to wrestle every night before we go to bed. And so we're getting, a, we're getting all riled up wrestling and then it's trying to shut it down. And so listen, anyone who says that they've got these really intricate or you have to have these really intricate set routines, well, that's fine. That might work for them. But those of us with kids and, and tons of responsibilities, you do the best you can with what you got. So having some semblance of a nighttime routine, making sure the lights are off, making sure you're not watching TV in bed, making sure you're not exposing yourself to blue lights before bed because those blue lights are very, very stimulating. And the light goes in and stimulates our pineal gland to secrete cortisol, which is a stress hormone. So when we're staring at our phone, when I'm staring at my phone at 3 a.m. when I can't sleep, I'm not doing myself any favors. I'm scrolling Instagram as far as uh, those cortisol levels. And when cortisol levels are high, melatonin levels are low. And we all know that we want melatonin levels to be high when we're in sleep mode. So the more that you can ingrain that sleep routine, the better it's going to be for rest, for recovery, for rejuvenation. And then of course, managing stress levels and supporting the immune system, which is when so much of our body and brain goes into recovery and healing mode. We know very clearly that when you're in a sleep deficit, your immune system in and of itself is going to be suppressed. You're going to be more insulin resistant. You're going to crave more sugar. The more sugar that you eat, again, the more it's going to reinforce this pattern. Uh, you're not going to be able to think clearly on and on and on. So outside of with all of these things is when we're looking at ways to boost the immune system, if you're not doing your diligence to eating healthy food, starting the day with enough protein, moving your body on a consistent basis. Like this is not the sexy stuff. I realize this is boring, but it's the stuff that moves the needle and makes a huge difference in the grand scheme of things. Ask any of our clients. Now, one of the things that I've had to really learn the hard way now, and this kind of brings us to number four, I guess we're on. Uh, we, we talked about starting the day with high protein breakfast, talked about daily movement and structured physical activity. We talked about having a dedicated sleep routine. Talked about our number four is focusing on a healthy digestive system. As I talked about, 80% of our immune system resides in our gut in this, this idea of this mucosal barrier that runs throughout our digestive system that is our first line of defense. And for me growing up, I had terrible, terrible gut issues, probably as a byproduct of having been on antibiotics a multitude of times um, from the time I was born to, you know, through high school. And as great as antibiotics can be, they still can do a number on um, wiping away healthy gut bacteria. And so anytime that we're talking about the immune system, we have to talk about the balance of good and bad bacteria. And it's very easy to generate an imbalance of bad to good bacteria. 
And it's not that there's necessarily any bad bacteria per se, but it's about the synergy or the symbiotic nature, I should say, of the bacteria that's housed in our gut that we develop over a lifetime, starting from, you know, a vaginal childbirth. That's when a, a big portion of our immune system starts to get built from the bacteria that we pick up through the vaginal canal. With that said, for me, it took years and years for me to, to really work to rebuild the integrity of my gut. And that came from supplementation. It get, came from clearing out foods that I was sensitive to because the mucosal barrier had been wiped away. Uh, and the integrity of the gut had been compromised. So I had a ton of food sensitivities. And this is stuff that all can be improved over time, but it's really just relative to where you are in your journey. With that said, it's not something to be overlooked. So I've placed a tremendous emphasis on first and foremost, making sure to abstain from foods that can potentially be inflammatory. And for me, out of the gate, they really were gluten, they were dairy, were, were really two of the most offensive foods. And as I worked over the years to, improve the integrity, now I can include those essentially in unlimited amounts, even though I choose not to, uh, because I still don't feel good when I do that. It's definitely a process. It's definitely a process. You know, what often happens kind of starting at Halloween with all of that influx of candy, now through here we are going into Christmas and through New Year's, it's sort of like a never-ending barrage of sugar of sugar and processed junk. And it's something that we really have to be very, very cognizant of because it's so prevalent in everyday aspects of life. Kids' birthday parties, work-related events at the office, people bringing stuff over, the list goes on and on. And so we try and be proactive about minimizing the amount of sugar that we consume in the house simply because we know that the kids are going to get so much of it outside. But especially when they're sick, it's kind of unspoken. It's like, okay, candy's gone. Artificial sugars are gone. We're going to do our best to minimize gluten and dairy just because those can be inflammatory, especially if the kids are congested um, and, and inflamed. And so those are things that we make a concerted effort, whether it, it makes, I think it makes a big difference. Uh, but it, it obviously is very, very individualized. So making sure that we're focusing on a healthy digestive system. Remember, it's not the, the germ, it's not the bug, it's the terrain. And so building a strong immune system through a strong digestive system, making sure you're taking digestive enzymes, making sure you're chewing your food, making sure you're slowing down when you eat, making sure you're walking after meals. All of these things make a really, really big difference. And then lastly, I guess, as I've, I've been alluding to, avoiding sugar, alcohol, and other inflammatory foods. And that's just the thing, is if you actually pay attention to how much sugar we are consuming and our kids are consuming on a daily basis, the recommended daily allowance for added sugar intake for adults and kids is 25 grams. Now, you're going to get 25 grams of sugar in one of those Yoplait yogurts right? One of those kid yogurts in a sweetened kid drink, ice cream or, or candy or sweets that they're getting. And so if you just start to pay attention, it's kind of scary how, the, how much that can add up. And we know above 75 grams a day, um, it really can start to suppress the immune system and contribute to a weakened uh, mucosal barrier and also contribute to the imbalance of good and, good and bad bacteria. But 
you know, some of the things, uh, just to give you some context around how 75 grams of sugar can add up, one can of soda has about 40 grams of sugar. So if the kids are drinking soda, we took our kids out. For, it was Zoe's birthday the other day. We took her to Black Rock Coffee. She got, one, you know, basically a Frappuccino, but without caffeine. That thing had to have been 100 grams of sugar. Easy. A low-fat sweetened yogurt can have 47 grams of sugar. A cupcake, 46 grams of sugar. Sports drink. So giving the kids Gatorade when they've done virtually nothing. You know, standing around at baseball practice, and then they're all drinking Gatorade. Like, that's ridiculous in my mind. 35 grams of sugar in a Gatorade. So this is stuff that they just don't need, that we as, as parents need to be very proactive about. It's just, they don't need that stuff, and it's, it's absolutely to their detriment that we need to be proactive about getting it out. So those are kind of five of the things that we really focus on as parents, as individuals, during cold and flu season, but certainly all year round. And um, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to include a link to a, a PDF that we put together on our favorite immune support, right? These are not immune boosting, but our favorite immune support supplements for both adults and kids because we absolutely do have a regimen that we take our kids through if and when they are starting to be under the weather. It's not just obviously eating enough protein, making sure that they're avoiding sugar, gluten, and dairy, but we do supplement them with immune support supplements, particularly things like elderberry, like mushroom compounds, like zinc, like a product called biocidin, which is kind of an antimicrobial, as well as we do more progressive therapies like nebulized glutathione and N-acetylcysteine, which are both precursors and major antioxidants in the body. So N-acetylcysteine is a precursor to glutathione production, which as I said, is a major antioxidant in the body. And sometimes as adults, we absolutely do, and often for myself as an individual, in terms of progressive therapies, I'll often do IV therapy. So um, intravenous, vitamin C, saline, glutathione, magnesium, zinc, essential amino acids, uh, lysine, all things that are going to help support the immune system. Because for me, being proactive in that way is like, listen, if I need to pay 200 or 250 bucks to get an IV, and it's going to save me uh, two or three days of being out of commission. Well, that is well, well worth the investment. And even when we got, we had COVID last August, my wife and I, and I was down for a couple of days. Fortunately, it was a Saturday, Sunday. I was back at it on Monday, still felt like crap. I went and got an IV Monday night and I was pretty good to go uh, thereafter. The point is that it can make a huge difference if you're willing to be progressive with some of these therapies. These things make a huge difference outside of oral supplementation. But nonetheless, I'm gonna have a, our, our, our favorite immune support supplements document in the link below that we're gonna put together for you. Uh, so you can download that, check out what we recommend for adults, check out what we recommend for the kiddos, and of course, uh, if you are not already a part of our BSL supplement dispensary, we've partnered with Fullscript. This is a national supplement dispensary that only partners with certified and licensed professionals like doctors and naturopathic doctors and chiropractors and licensed clinical nutritionists, and certified cl uh, clinical nutritionists like myself with only pharmaceutical grade products. So these are the best 
quality products on the market. They're all third-party tested. They have exactly what they say on the label in the ingredients that if any supplements are gonna be beneficial for this, it's certainly these products. And so you can sign up for an account. You can immediately get 15% off your supplement purchases in perpetuity. And so hopefully that's helpful for you. You can sign up at the link in the uh, comments below. We'll provide that for you. And then don't hesitate to let us know if you have any questions. Hopefully this has been helpful for you. And um, I will catch you guys in the next conversation. Have a very wonderful holiday season and a happy new year. And we'll catch you in 2023. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple. 